0: Bad and bo- welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Erica. And Erica, welcome to a post-cabinet world. What hey. a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Erica and I were busy this past week with cabinet shenanigans. We both wrote columns. Mine was in the Globe and Mail about the woman of color in cabinet, of which there are four of 38. And Erica wrote about Greg Fergus, MP for... Hull Almer. Yeah. Just across the river in Hull from Ottawa. A Black MP, a Francophone Black MP, and him not getting a spot in cabinet. So, you can find both of those. So, mine you can find at the Globe and Mail, Erica's you can find either on the Hill Times or on her website, notinmycolor.com.
1: And the links are in the show notes,
0: which you can only access if you are a subscriber. And so, make sure you become a subscriber at badbitchypodcast.substack.com. We tweet out the link really often. So, that's probably the best way to find it. In addition to show notes, you get full episodes of the podcast, you get special interviews that we've got lined up, you get extra content such as our top 10 rom-coms that we're doing with David Moskrop and many other things of that nature. I was also on the Wonks in War Rooms podcast this week with Elizabeth Dubois. She is a professor at the University of Ottawa and we discussed safe spaces and intersectionality and. Erica, I think that about does it for our never-ending shameless self-promotion.
1: <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> oh, great! One more, one more. So I was on Global News Radio this morning. Uh, this morning, meaning Tuesday, October twenty-eighth, talking about cabinet and Dave Chappelle. Which I, <sighs> okay, I have not seen the Netflix special, people. That's what I want to preface that with. So that link will be in show notes too. So that's And you have like. a
0: piece out with Refinery29.
1: And let us not forget that my birthday is Monday, November 1st, which is the day that this podcast will come out.
0: So get into her mentions and wish her a happy birthday, is really what she's saying.
1: It's nice to be recognized. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Erica, today we're going to be discussing any other last cabinet thoughts. We're going to be talking about some things happening with the Ontario government in terms of labor. And then we're going to change gears a little bit and go to Megan and Harry. First, I want to get to see if there are any outstanding things you'd like to say about cabinet now that the dust is kind of settled from the initial announcement.
1: That cabinet is white. Yes, it is so white.
0: So white. Like, translucent like yeah wear wear a lot of
1: fucking sunscreen white yeah 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 real blonde yeah (laughs) it's disturbing okay it's disturbing just seeing the pic their pictures side by side it is disturbing and i feel like this is just an example of this country going one step back not because the people are one step back but because our political masters are just so, they're literally ignoring us at this point. Mm -hmm. They're just doing their own thing and doing what they want to do.
0: Well, and that, I think I kind of said that during the election too. I had been on the party's websites and kind of scrolled through the lists of candidates and I didn't really feel as though I was being represented by most of the candidates being offered by most of the parties or actually all of the parties.
1: Yeah, it's horrendous, actually. Mm -hmm. I I didn't see myself at all. And I guess what's so mystifying to me is just the disconnect that's happening. And that as much as media talks about the increasing polarization, I I just find that um, that there's an increasing polarization between like the political class and just civil society.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think this cabinet is just reflective of that.
0: Is it civil society as in quote unquote normals or civil society versus people like you and I who are very engaged and bordering on activists?
1: Well, I was thinking about something more general, like both, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, nobody's going to (laughs) listen. Nobody listens to activists, apparently. So even though it's activists who are like literally like ahead of the curve, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where would climate change be without activism? where would, well, where is it now? (laughs) Sorry, as Trudeau uh, is flying to COP26, the climate change meeting amongst nations, so they can, you know, dick around with targets that they'll Mm -hmm. never reach anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think that activism is an important way to inform those Equities, those inequities that we are talking about and that we see and this is the problem like the pandemic just blew open all these inequities and i feel like nobody's talking about them anymore Mm -hmm. like it's like they were a fad and now nobody's talking about it so it's okay everything's fine is this everything's fine mentality that is killing me in this country because it's not like david said it's getting worse It's just all getting worse. I was talking to my mom yesterday. We were talking about like basically how how I got to this podcast and writing. Mm -hmm. Just talking about the journey and, you know, just reminiscing and stuff. And she said, yeah, I didn't know that you would take off like this. And I said, neither did I. And I said, well, what happened was in 2015, everything was fine and Mm -hmm. our views were not welcome. And then Trump happened and since 2016 every year has become progressively worse like it's been a downward slide since 2016 Mm -hmm. so basically it's just that the world caught up with with us and that's what happens with activism is that eventually the world catches up with the right activists when i say the right activists i don't mean those ppc motherfuckers (laughs) i have a thing there's this like i have this tick When I hear about right wing, quote, activism, it's just I don't know.
0: What are you what are you advocating for the status quo? Because that's
1: not activism. Exactly. And I I don't like when media calls them activists or advocates. Being a protester does not make you an,
0: an activist
1: or an advocate for anything. I'm just saying that for people whose job it is to write, they should be interrogating language a little bit more. Just yeah. an idea.
0: Yeah. So, Erica, let's move on to the Ontario government, which we haven't covered in a while. And so now that the Ontario election is coming up in 2022, I'm looking forward to getting back to Doug Ford and his fuckery. Oh, there's another yeah. election. Mm-hmm. I mean, lucky for us, it's not for another like six months. was it yesterday like July? So <laughs> that, like those six months are going to go by real fast. Th- The Ontario government has introduced legislation that would force some employers to develop policies allowing workers to unplug from the office after their shift. The legislation would require employers with 25 or more workers to develop disconnecting from work policies, which could include expectations about response time for emails and encouraging employees to turn on out-of-office notifications when they're not working. But work-life balance expert Linda Duxbury said such legislation may actually contribute to the problem. And that's because employees still have to get their work done, even if they can't send emails after hours. Duxbury suggested a key way to help employees achieve work-life balance is to ensure that they're not swamped with work. According to an online poll conducted in April by the accounting firm KPMG, nearly half of the 1,000 Canadian employees surveyed said their workload is heavier than it was pre-pandemic. More than 30% said they're so overworked they are close or are burning out. The issue of the right to disconnect after work hours has become a hot topic for workers across the globe as mobile technologies, email, and gig work have helped blur the lines between being in and out of the office. In 2016, France adopted similar legislation that gave employees the right to disconnect and not take work calls or answer emails after hours. But in Canada, the labor code currently does not address limiting work-related electronic communications after quitting time. The federal government says it is committed to developing a quote-unquote right-to-disconnect policy for federally regulated workers in order to improve work-life balance. As part of the process, the government recently invited Canadians to participate in an online consultation to share their views on the topic. So, Erica, I have a lot of complicated feelings about this. What are your thoughts?
1: I have complicated feelings, too. First of all, okay, this is what was going through my head when you were when you were doing the intro to this topic. How much of the problem of work-life balance is related to downsizing? Of like Mm -hmm. the 90s, Mm -hmm. you know, and with downsizing, the ratio of labor to capital went down, right? So companies invested more in capital stock than they did in expanding the labor force or sorry, their particular labor force. For example, the public service did that during Stephen Harper's time Mm -hmm. in order to balance the books they basically allowed people to retire and leave and didn't replace them. But the work was the same if it wasn't increased. So I just wonder how much of this is like that kind of systemic change or mass kind of transformation in terms of the labor force in these companies. And if that's part of the reason we're seeing such burnout and work-life balance stress and just stress in general.
0: And I also wonder if some of this increased pandemic workload is due to the fact that you have a lot of baby boomers and Gen X people having to work remotely and either being used to having someone do it for them or calling IT when they have technological issues and now they have to rely on themselves to get these things done and therefore The work is like the the demand keeps going, but the work is slower to come back to you with comment or whatever, because there is a bit of a backlog and people would rather have like a hard copy of a document to read it and give it back to you physically. And now they have to do everything. All comments, all work is basically just done in the notes on your word document, in the comments. And some people are slow typers. Some people just like don't have the technological skills to keep up in that sort of environment.
1: That's so meta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking about macro changes. You're talking about, about old people who can't type. Okay. I mean, they're not unrelated, right? Like. <laughs>
0: It's funny though. I like, I'll, <laughs> like if someone like I t- was talking to a friend and they were saying that someone like didn't know how to save a PDF. What? How do you not know how to save a PDF? You literally go print save as PDF. <laughs> or you know how you do it? You fucking google it. Oh my gosh. I can do <laughs> I can do my own home repairs by fucking searching it on YouTube. I'm sure you can figure out how to save a PDF.
1: Why are you so bad though? <laughs> it's it's true though. Wasn't it wasn't it like one of Trump's advisors who was it Paul Manafort was was, was couldn't figure out the cloud, <laughs> and that's how he got caught. Yes, that seems oh, like God. something
0: Anthony Weiner would have done too. Yes, but like to my point is that like you know you've got people who are working in new ways and therefore they want extra, they have extra demands because they want to feel more secure because they can't necessarily just like turn to you in a meeting or make sure that they have all the information at their fingertips because they might not know where it's located. And so you have to provide a more robust information package or, you know, reference document so that like they know all of the things and can make things
1: really easy to communicate. Okay, but is that a productivity issue or work life balance issue?
0: I mean, so my it was to the like increased workloads post- oh. during the pandemic.
1: Oh. oh, is that a thing? Like, or like people not being able to use their equipment? Yeah. That's increasing workloads.
0: I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily increased workloads, but like I can imagine it's a contributing factor for some people, given that we're now well over 18 months into this and people still have to. There's you're still like, oh, you're a mute. Mute can happen to anybody,
1: though. <laughs> like,
0: I'm just saying. Yes. But like in in like a very structured meeting when like this is your period to talk, <laughs> you know, it's coming up and they still are like, I don't know. I was on a, in a meeting the other day and someone was just like, OK, um, let me just uh, share my screen. Um, I can you uh, can you see it? I don't know. Can you can you see it? Yeah, my guy. You can you know your screen is being shared when the like fucking colored box goes around it. <laughs> it literally tells you. It's not like a guessing game. And then the person, and then one of the per, the the host of the meeting had to say, maybe if you like, I can see it, but maybe if you just like put it into present mode, we'd be able to see it more clearly. With the PowerPoint, yeah, guys. What are we doing? This I- can't be the first time you're presenting virtually. Anyway. Work-life balance. (laughs) I do agree. I do agree that like, I do agree that it can be a slippery slope, you know, being like, oh, I'm stuck at home. I've got nothing to do. Oh, there's my work phone. I'm just going to check to see what's going on. But I will say, if you reply to a non-urgent email, if you choose to reply to a non-urgent email, you are then setting an expectation that you are available at these hours.
1: So it's kind of like a yeah, like a cycle, it, it, right? Why do we reply to emails after seven?
0: Listen, sometimes there are urgent emails and that's fine. You know when your files are urgent.
1: And, right. you, know, right. and you
0: know when you work in an environment in which those emails are urgent. Right. And right. you know the email, the people from whom you will receive urgent emails.
1: I would say- But, but if not it, all if, of them are going to be urgent. I feel like we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I I guess what I'm trying to say is people, I guess, routinely work after seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, when I um, when I worked at the Department of Finance, I mean, the average time to go to be- go home was like 11. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or midnight. And that so, was a badge of honor. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. That is what I'm getting at. If there's a there's something cultural where working to death is like a badge of honor and it is prized and it is sold to us as the way to success and mm-hmm. you know it's like not like not to say that you won't be there are times that you're just going to be really really busy election mm-hmm. for example for us yeah. I got, I don't even know how I was sleeping. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, there are those times, like I said, during the budget, when you're at the department Mm -hmm. of finance, for example, there are those times and you're just like, I, I understand that. But there used to be a time when you would have structured work hours and it didn't bleed over a lot and you were paid overtime if it did because it used to be the exception, not the rule. On the other hand, that was at the time when manufacturing was the big wage generator, let's say, mm-hmm. which is very, very structured. So the nature of the work has changed. The labor laws have changed and become very pliant. And you know, we have a lot of service and gig workers who work odd hours. So I don't know what this is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And all it does, this is just more legislation that helps people who are already privileged. You know what I mean? Because I, we just talked about gig workers, think about people who work at superstore and stuff like that. I'm not saying they're going to get emails and I'm not saying that because they're not in corporate, but I don't know. I feel as though this is just a very white collar class specific type of legislation. And I'm not sure that it really has any heft behind it because I'd like to know how they're going to enforce it. Like who's going to tell on their boss?
0: Yeah. Well, because HR departments have no teeth.
1: Yeah. You know, when they do, they're disgusting. This just seems like much ado about nothing.
0: Yeah, like it's not that we're saying that it's not a problem. It is, but it's more of a cultural problem than a problem that needs legislation. Because really, the solution is to have an adult conversation with your boss about the expectations. Mm -hmm. And this is a weird, it strikes me as a weird piece of legislation from this government, from the PCs, because it seems heavy handed and they're not about government overreach.
1: Yeah, I just like I know Volkswagen a few years ago did that, but that's an internal company cultural thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they should know how their friggin business runs, right? Mm -hmm. If they're willing to make those adjustments, then fine. But I really do think the bigger issue is, is that there's probably not enough employees for the amount of work. But yep. nobody wants to hire more people because that means shareholders mm-hmm. would uh, like the stock price would go down, like all things, all other things equal, right? Yep. Because shareholders wouldn't be getting as much of, of a return.
0: And it's also not great for people who enjoy working from home because of the flexibility, right? Where they can go for a run for an hour or a workout, or they are splitting childcare duties and they work. Half in the morning, like they work half days, and then they work at night once the kids are in bed. Like a lot of families do that.
1: Yeah, this is this is not going to work for work from home. It's just not going to work. We have flexible time. How much do we like divvy up our time in 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 non conventional ways? It just seems too little, too late, and much ado about nothing. And
0: you know, some days maybe you're not going to have seven or eight hours of work, and you're just going to work like six. I don't know. It kind of comes out all out in the wash to a degree.
1: Well, assuming that you get that time off, right. Assuming that you only work six hours one day or five hours one day, Mm -hmm. otherwise then it doesn't. So I I don't know. I think, um, I think this is a waste of legislation. Wake me up when there's something important. (laughs) Do
0: you, do you feel like this is kind of like a, a thing that the, PCs are doing to be like oh we're we're pro labor we're pro mental health
1: I just assume that every like party is somewhat craven right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so if people make a big deal out of it and they want it they should get it but look what paid sick days like there wasn't much there right yeah not well until until well into
0: the pandemic
1: exactly and had there not been a pandemic as such popular support we wouldn't have got it I I just think that we are entering the hellscape that is the U.S. politics in the terms of you have these ideologically driven premiers who create policy on whim. It has no rhyme or reason. There's no um, remember when we were talking about the NDP during the election Mm -hmm. and we said there's no overarching vision. Yeah, that's what I feel like provincial politics is now. There's yeah, no overarching vision, it's just plug and play.
0: Yeah, it's a, and it's can be like conservative governments can it can be very much like oh own the libs like oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and it's just like okay, so you're going to cut off your nose to spite your face.
0: All right, Erica, that does it for this week. We will be back next week obviously. So make sure you are subscribed badbitchypodcast.substack.com. So you can become a free subscriber where you can get our free newsletter that has things you should read, things that we've been up to, maybe special event announcements, that sort of thing. And then you also get the full episode of the podcast because just a reminder, right now you are listening to a truncated short version of the full podcast. You are definitely missing some content. So make sure you become a subscriber.
1: You're missing Harry and Megan. You're missing
0: Harry and Megan. Actually, it was a really fun conversation. It was. We hadn't talked about tech in a while, and I was really into I it. want to
1: do more tech.
0: So, like I said, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, Erica, have a great pre-birthday weekend. Thank you. Bye. Bye.